Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the Witch's Wheel of the Year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight Sabbaths. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. Well, 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 my weirdos, here we are again, back. Hi. How's that week? How was that new moon for you all? Was it burly? Was it chill? Was it burly chill? (laughs) Um, I had some spicy times with it, but uh, I also had some nice stuff come through. Um, So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a good, it was all around a good new moon for me, uh, even though... It is not, uh, the Gemini new moon is not a particularly auspicious new moon for me um, because my, well, doesn't matter what, but the point is, <laughs> ultimately, it was a pretty good new moon for me. I hope it was a good new moon for you because the rest of the astrology for this month is not necessarily good or... <laughs> We don't want to use words like good and bad, Uh, but the astrology this month is a little hard. We can say that for sure. There's easy and hard with the astrology this month. As I mentioned last week, uh, we have a suspiciously small number of aspects or transits happening this month. Uh, There are only 12 aspects this month, and that's kind of unusual usually the planets are doing stuff and they're talking to each other and they are making transits and making aspects. And, uh, you know, like I said last week, uh, I really do feel like the planets, you know, the gods and goddesses are kind of looking down on us right now. Like y'all are buck wild on earth and we, you are not blaming us for any of this. You guys need to get your shit together. (laughs) You know, that thing, right? (laughs) Maybe that's just me projecting things onto the planets. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, it's interesting. And so, you know, I was listening to um, some other astrologers talk about this. I was listening to Jessica Lanyato talk about this. I love her podcast. Big, big fan. Uh, Ghost of a podcast. If you haven't subbed to her, check it out. Um, but uh, she was talking about this and she brought in an aspect that I thought was really cool. Um, or I guess a way of looking at this in that when we have a lot of those inner planet transits, Mars is doing stuff, Mercury, Venus doing stuff, the sun, um, that tends to kind of be like a, a type of white noise that blocks out the more subtle vibrations as it were, that we might feel from lunar transits, which happen really, really fast. And so it's like a couple of hours and then boom, the transit's over. Or the outer planet transits, which happen very, very slowly. And so they also are kind of like, you know, this rumbling off in the distance in the background, but we're not necessarily paying too much attention to it. The stuff that's happening in our face, 
you know, and pretty consistently is the stuff that we're paying the most attention to. And that's generally represented by the inner planet transits. Saturn and Jupiter to a lesser extent, Mars, Mercury, Venus, the sun, the moon, uh, to, or the sun to a greater extent. But we don't have a lot of those this month. And so she pointed out, uh, Jessica Loniato pointed out that the lunar transits, again, that are much more subtle, the outer planet transits, also much more subtle, are going to potentially feel a little more intense this month or be a little louder or be a little more in your face or maybe they're going to be a little more obvious to you this month because we don't have the usual white noise of those other planetary transits. So I just thought it was an interesting piece of information and I wanted to pass it along. Um, and I thought uh, that it was just a really cool way of looking at things. Okay. So yay tangent, right? That's, you know, kind of queen of the tangents. It's my job. It's what I do. <laughs> I take one tiny uh, morsel of information and I run as fast as I can off to the hills. Okay. <laughs> uh, here is the, the spiel before we get into the whatnotery. Okay. Uh, what have we got? This is Beltane season waxing half moon in Virgo lunar week 18 by some lunar calendars. Uh, first and foremost, the Letha class is coming up very, very soon. I was going to teach it later in the month and stuff is happening. So, um, this class will be taught on Sunday, June 12th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern, on YouTube for free. Uh, you can sub to my YouTube channel to always get alerts when I'm posting new videos or live streams. Um, we will be using a workbook for the Letha class, and if you want access to that workbook, you can subscribe to my Patreon at the Venus level, which is $9 or higher, uh, to get access to the Patreon bag of holding, wherein you will find the workbook, the seven-week calendar, prayers, altar building guides, meditations, uh, journal prompts, and so much more. Um, if you want to know more about the Sabbaths, uh, Beltane is the one that we're in currently, but we're, as I said, about to head into Letha. You can always head to my site and read more about the Sabbaths, um, plants and stones to work with, history, folklore, all of that kind of cool stuff. I'm really into the traditions, the cultural traditions, uh, of the Sabbaths. It's like some of my favorite stuff. Um, and uh, other writings. Sometimes it's my personal uh, just observations or experiences that I've had in life. Sometimes I just go crazy on research and um, just you know, kind of bring like a, a thesis on a topic. <laughs> um, if you want to know more about upcoming classes on the Wheel of the Year, Tarot, and or Witchcraft, because yes, that is out there still coming, swear. Uh, sign up for my irregular newsletter, and you can do that through my website. And if you are looking for guidance um, or looking for some advice on how to work with our astrology, how to work with the energies of the changing seasons, book a tarot reading or an astrology reading with me. I do that too. Uh, that's some of my favorite stuff to do is working with people. Um, 
you know, it's one thing to sort of, you know, have the research element of this whole project and do all of this reading and do all this discovery and investigation. That is delightful to me, obviously, <laughs> right? I do a lot of that. Um, but seeing how this stuff actually plays out in people's lives is really, really thrilling to me. And um, beyond that, uh, I really get off on people becoming empowered by this information and being able to see themselves through the same filters that they see their archetypes and their heroes and, um, and, you know, and also embracing the responsibility that comes with that power and stepping into being the people that are going to help tear apart the, the, the pieces of the reality that we're in currently that are really unhealthy and terrible and helping to also potentially build the pieces of reality uh, that are really healthy and progressive um, for the future, for future generations and all of that stuff. You know, just, just witchcraft. That's all. It's just a little witchcraft. That's all we're doing here on the podcast uh, to support this podcast <laughs> and all of the work that I do. Please join my Patreon. Thank you so much to my patrons. Uh, you can leave a rating or a review on your podcast service wherever you listen to this. And if you are, you know, feeling especially heathenistic, you can always, of course, give it a five-star rating. Um, there's links for everything in the description of this podcast. Let's get into this. Okay, so there's the spiel. Now let's actually get into the whatnot. We're still in Beltane season. You clear my throat. Have some water, which is stay hydrated. We're getting into it. Okay. We are still in Beltane season. This is our witch's work. We are focusing on fecundity, fertility, and action. And maybe even more so now as we get into these last weeks and days of Beltane season and the last days and weeks of spring. Uh, and as we are looking at the global themes of various holy days and festivals that are happening around the planet, past and present, we see themes like fertility, surging power, and exchanging energy with opposing systems, aka sex and death. Obviously, uh, the sex element, the fecundity and fer fertility stuff is really at the forefront of a lot of our Beltane imagery, right? The, as I like to say, the sacred knocking of boots here at Beltane season, hashtag healthy, lusty, thrusty here at Beltane season. Um, but that is especially true during Taurus. And as we move into and through Gemini season and these last four weeks of Beltane, last four weeks of spring, that plurality, that that dichotomy of yes, no, black, white, sex, death, um, you know, uh, a lot of our stereotypical imagery might be very like cishet, male, female, right? It starts to blur and it starts to become this multiplicity. And I, you know, I, from my point of view, I see Beltane as this season that stretches us out <laughs> uh, and really requires from us to uh, witness in ourselves, our multitudes and all of our various forms and all of our various shapes. And it's a season that really asks us to and invites us to become multiple versions of ourselves. Very Gemini, right? Like finding, finding the multiplicity in ourselves. Okay. 
So with that being said, <laughs> let's actually get into this week, shall we? <laughs> Okie dokie, artichokey. This lunar week starts June 7th, Tuesday with a waxing half moon in Virgo at 16 degrees. Uh, it will be exact at 7.48 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And this moon is aspecting, you know, at this moment, a few different things, but it is exactly trining Uranus and Taurus. Um, okay, so first off, let's get us oriented in the uh, phase of the moon. We are in the waxing half. And this represents, uh, in our process, a branch um, this is a, a condition or a situation or a shift in the situation that introduces friction and perhaps a decision of some type. So in our metaphor that we're working with every month at the new moon, we are the seed in the soil in the dark. And then at the waxing crescent, we stick a couple of leaves above ground and we kind of check it out. Uh, here at the waxing half, we are starting to actually grow up. And um, basically, we're kind of feeling the pull from the past, and we're feeling the the friction of gravity and um, the friction of having to to define ourselves as a plant, you know, in this metaphor. And so, you know, the the situation is saying, "Hey, are you going to grow up and away from from what's going on, or what? What are we doing here? Time to make a decision about it." So, with our waxing half moon in Virgo, what is this friction? What is this decision that we might be at being asked to make? Well, um, to start with, this is a moon that is really focused on our finances and really focused on doing some accounting in a very straightforward way, um, but also working with the metaphor of accounting and accounting for where your labor and your work and your service is going. Where is it, uh, what is it supporting in this world? Um, who is and what is supported by your work, your labor, your service? Um, and I talk about this a lot and there's a, there's a real funky world around the idea of money being a sacred thing out there in, in the lands of metaphysics. <laughs> There's some real funky stuff around that. And I try to think about it from the opposite end of, you know, are you treating, can you think of your money as an energy that is sacred and then put it in places where you would only ever put sacred things, right? We do some pretty profane stuff with our money if we follow the dollar all the way out, right? <laughs> um, you know, our tax dollars, for example, uh, unfortunately do not go to many helpful um, uh, beneficial programs, right? I would be thrilled if all of my tax dollars were going to public education or, uh, you know, planned parenthood or, you know, making sure veterans have COVID vaccines, you know, like what, like, like that's the kind of stuff that I want my taxes to go to is running this country and helping us first and foremost, if there's extra, you know, like the, let's help other people too. Absolutely. Um, and there is extra, that's the thing. Like, you know, we've been one of the richest countries in the world. We, we generate an incredible amount of money as a country. Um, and our taxes mostly don't go to helping us. Right. 
Um, they don't go to helping homeless people get off the street. They don't go to helping immigrants become settled in our country. It goes to really awful stuff here in our country and in other places around the world, right? A lot of the awful stuff is happening here at home, maybe even more and more so every day. So <laughs> there's your leftist rant. We're pretty early on in the episode, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, this moon is, is asking you to do that kind of work where, where are your efforts, right? Where, where is your labor? Where is your service? Where is your work in the world? And what is it supporting? And this might be one of those moons where you're like, yeah, I don't like the way that this is working out. <laughs> I don't like the way that, uh, um, this system is set up and I'm feeling the friction of that. Moments like this can be frustrating because they don't always offer us a solution. They usually are making a problem more clear, but that is their assistance. That's their gift. They're like, Hey, now you can really see what the actual nature of the problem is. And you know, if you don't remember, uh, this moon is trine Uranus in Taurus and Uranus in Taurus has really been trying to bring us a new understanding of what our actual security needs are. Um, and you know, where do we need to make some radical changes in our relationship with money, security, physical possessions, all of that stuff. Um, it's super uncomfortable work and it's really, really difficult when you are at the same time trying to pay rent, right? Or trying to pay your bills or trying to make, uh, make sure you got enough money so that your parents, you know, have a, a safe place to stay and groceries in the fridge or, or whatever the gig is, right? It's financially difficult in the world. <laughs> so this is, so this is a tough conversation, right? It's a tough conversation all around, but here's another moment to, to have it. <laughs> um, when we are working with this waxing half moon in Virgo for our lunar body work, we are awakening, activating, adorning, stimulating, and preparing for action the large and small intestine, uh, and the spleen, who is a filter, and the pancreas, which produces enzymes that break stuff down and produces hormones. And um, as I say every week, I am a lady yelling on the internet. I am a, not a doctor <laughs> or a health advisor of any type. Uh, so if you are wanting to integrate any of this information into your healthcare regime, uh, talk with your trusted health advisor, make sure this is working for you. But, and also, um, we always can work with the metaphor. And so when we're working with this Virgo metaphor of filtration and breaking stuff down, right? Are there some things that you just can't stomach anymore? Are there some things that you are having a hard time digesting in the world? Um, are there some things that you need to filter out uh, in terms of your energy streams and energy systems and all of that stuff, right? The metaphor still works. It's still there. Okay. For our plant body work, nothing. Leave the plants alone. Uh, Virgo is the worst time to mess with your plants because we're too picky about stuff. We're too nitpicky. It, it's, it's a bad scene. Um, but it is a great time to do some research for your plants. So research fertilizer, research uh, soil, uh, improvement, all of that good stuff. Very, very appropriate. Okay. We have no astrology of note for this day. So I'm just going to bounce directly into the 
holy days. And um, let me say this. Uh, we have a fair amount of holy days this week. Not too many, not too few. But we have a lot of very subtle synchronicity from one day to the next in this week. There are several holy days in this week that very subtly carry elements of other holy days throughout the week and they are very much not connected to each other and it's really really cool <laughs> it's almost you might say i don't know magical all right holy days for june 7th kicking it off we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star rigel or regal um this star is situated on the left foot of the hunter, a.k.a. the Orion constellation. Yeah, we're getting outside of the Zodiac, people. Freak out. Um, the modern name for Rigel and the traditional name Jaza both come from the Arabic phrase Rijal Jaza al-Yusra, which means the left leg or the left foot of Jaza. Regal means foot, and Jauza means Orion. Um, there is a rarer name for this star that's Algabar or Elgabar, which means the foot of the Great One. But this star is also seen as the last star in the constellation, the River. And it has a uh, maritime character, as uh, astrologers from the ancient past have described it. Um, I tried to look more into that comment and it was difficult to find information on it, but I'm sure that it's out there. Uh, so I just think that that's interesting. Okay. Why? Because from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Ludi Piscatori. The Ludi are um, games, uh, ceremonial games that are held throughout the year for a wide variety of reasons. Piscatori being fish or mariners or maritime activities. So these were games for mariners and maritime activities and for the river Tiber itself. All fish caught on this day were sacrificed by fire at the temple of Vulcan. So that's kind of an interesting thing, right? We have the fixed heliacal or the fixed star rising of Rigel connected to the constellation of the river. And then we have the Ludi Piscatori dedicated to the river Tiber. Also on this day from our Roman friends and ancestors, running this month from June 7th to June 15th, we have the Vestalia. And this is a festival in honor of Vesta, the goddess of the hearth, and um, the burning continuation of the sacred fire of Rome. This is where the Vestal virgins were uh, serving in temple and all of that. Domestic and family life in general were represented by the festival of the goddess of the house of the spirits of the store chamber, Vesta and the Penates or Vestalia, um, excuse me, on Vestalia. And uh, that's a really interesting connection there um, with uh, this waxing moon in Virgo and Vestalia starting on this same day. So if we think about our Roman, or excuse me, if we think about our lunar calendars and the way that the lunar calendars work, lunar day one is the beginning of the month, right? The moon month, where the word month comes from. 
So seven days in uh, from this new moon is going to be the waxing half. So every year that we have this new moon in Gemini, we're going to have the waxing half in Virgo at some point. Uh, it's more complicated-ish than that, but, but basically that. Uh, so this Vestalia and Virgo are in alignment is, is kind of what I'm saying here. And it's, it's pretty cool. But I also love that we have this festival dedicated to Vesta, the goddess of the hearth um, and the sacred fire of Rome. And then during the Ludi Piscatori, we also have fish being sacrificed uh, by fire at the temple of Vulcan, who's sort of like the, I don't know if I want to say the male equivalent of Vesta, but they certainly are connected. I don't know. It's cool shit, man. <laughs> but that's just the beginning. All right, let's move on to the <laughs> June 8th. <laughs> All right, June 8th is a Wednesday and our waxing moon enters Libra. Um, this can be kind of a spicy moon. Um, this waxing moon in Libra, regardless of the rest of the astrology, it's just an interesting moon because it encourages debate um, but it also encourages a little bit of an adversarial attitude. Um, it can be a good time for political action, but especially radical political action or action, political action that's kind of against the status quo or is more here to shake up than it is to stabilize. And that's very in league with uh, that, you know, trine from Uranus that the moon just experienced a day before. So, um, you know, engage in that in whatever way is safe and healthy for you. I'll just put that that way. <laughs> Don't get arrested. Um, for our Libra lunar work, <laughs> we are awakening, activating and adorning and stimulating and preparing for action. Uh, the hips, the kidneys, even more filtration and also sending the good stuff back is what the kidneys are in charge of and the bladder. Um, so again, as we said before, work with the physical metaphor if that's safe and healthy for you, but you can also always work with the, um, the, the, the other metaphor, <laughs> the rest of the metaphor. Um, so are there some things that you need to get a little more swivel around? Um, are there some things that you need to f be even more, um, on top of filtering out of your energy streams? Um, are you filtering too much stuff out and maybe we need to be sending the good stuff back and making sure that we're not, you know, how, I, how would I interpret this in a real way, like in a real world thing? Well, for me, Libra is about friendships and a diplomacy and connecting with other people. And if I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about this metaphor of filtration and sending good things back, am I, um, are, are, are my friends trying to help me and I'm being resistant is a way that I'm thinking about that, right? In a means of like, oh, I don't want anybody to help me. I'm filtering out all of my crutches. I'm filtering out all of the things that I might be um, relying on that I quote unquote shouldn't be. And yet maybe I'm actually being too restrictive and I should be letting some folks in to assist me um, or allowing myself to... Um, you know, keep up with my connections with my friends or my, you know, social life in general, that kind of thing. Um, uh, 
you know, another way of looking at that kind of extension of that idea is COVID, right? Of course. And so a lot of us have completely shut it down. We don't go to shows. We don't go to clubs. We, we only go to the stuff that we have to go to or events that are completely outside and safe. And this is like a, maybe there are a couple more things that are safe for us that we can bring back into the, the general um, practice, right? The general flow of action. Um, there. Okay. So there's, there's the, there's a way of working with the, the metaphor here in general, when we have our waxing moon in Libra, it really is about connecting with our community, connecting with our people, um, and reinforcing our, um, our social standing, reinforcing our social connections, um, all of that good stuff for our plant body work aesthetics only this is another lunar phase um and and moon sign where we don't really want to mess with the plants too much so wiping down the pots dusting off your plant stands you know making them super cute maybe give your plants a spin if you haven't spun them in a while so they have more equal growth everywhere that kind of stuff just dealing with the aesthetics that's it okay we have no astro for this day either. See, that's what I'm saying. There's no transits. We get none. <laughs> They're like, absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> so let's move directly on to the holy days of June 8th. Uh, from our global friends and ancestors, we have World Ocean Day. Uh, this is an international awareness day uh, bringing attention to the issues of rising sea levels and uh, environmental concerns about water safety and all of that good stuff. Very, very appropriate um, as we move through Gemini season. Yes, it is an air sign, but as we have discussed uh, for the past few weeks here on the podcast, Gemini and Mercury are intrinsically tied to mariners and maritime activities. So having World Ocean Day in the midst of uh, Gemini season makes a lot of sense. And if it doesn't for you, well, Cancer is next. So we are heading directly into uh, Cancer season right after Gemini. So having all of these ocean and river uh, holidays that we see throughout Gemini are almost kind of the preamble to stepping into Cancer season. Also on this day, from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis or Dies Natalis of the Temple of Mens. Mens was also known as Mens Bona, which is Latin for good mind, and was the personification of thought, consciousness, and the mind, but also, quote unquote, right thinking. And uh, so this is another one, yet another one of those fantastic Roman holidays uh, that are all about telling the people who they should be and how they should be acting. So um, surely Mentz is something that probably connects all the way back to an icon or an archetype or a deity like Thoth, um, where you're talking about a, a deity or an archetype that is dedicated to just pure thought, pure conceptualization, the, per the personification of thought, consciousness, the mind, all of that stuff. But leave it to Rome to twist it right into, um, a, you know, a, a, a population control type of holiday. So we're not just celebrating, you know, the good, the good mind, but it's right thinking right? It's that too. 
So, <laughs> yeah. All right. From our Norwegian friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of Suniva. Uh, Suniva, also known as Suna or Sol or Sun, uh, is the sun personified. Um, and we are going to talk about this deity um, as seen from the perspective of the Same people um, in the Letha class this year. Um, we talked about it last year. I'm going to talk about it again this year and some other stuff. But uh, she's a really cool goddess. Um, and interestingly, there is a horse charm for healing horses connected to this deity, Suniva. And that is going to be important, so pay attention. Let's move on to June 9th. Alrighty, June 9th is a Thursday. We still have our waxing moon hanging out in Libra. So, you know, good luck with whatever activities you may be getting up to there. <laughs> Don't argue with your coworkers. Steer them towards the light of general strikes and unions. Okay. Uh, we have no astrology of note for this day. So let's get directly into the holy days. Uh, from our UK friends and ancestors, we have the Queen's birthday. So side note here. Uh, first, the Queen's birthday, who knows when it actually is. Uh, it's a mystery. Uh, it's celebrated like 14 times in the UK alone throughout the year. It is celebrated on different days all over the world in all of the countries that are that where she is the the premier whatnot um where she's queen um they celebrate her birthday on different days all through the throughout the year <laughs> i have tried to figure out if there is some kind of secret pattern there probably is but i kind of don't care but um <laughs> i do think that it's interesting that the uk big holiday we, if you haven't noticed the jubilee has been happening uh in the uk it's been all over the press instead of the stories they should be talking about um it's here in this season we've had uh, a few different holidays from our catholic friends that um are venerating um, the virgin mary as the queen of heaven um and here we have the the virgo waxing moon and vestalia um honoring the vestal virgins at the temple so i don't know i i might be making a stretch there but it wouldn't surprise me if this is part of why uh this birthday is connected to the uk um is that there it's a bit more auspicious during this time of year to celebrate the birthday of the regent we see a lot of other birthdays of deities being celebrated now. So interesting. Not that she's a deity, but uh, in a lot of the monarchies, there is that blurring between God and King, you know, right? The Hierophant. Don't forget. <laughs> okay. From our Shinto friends and ancestors, we have Yotaka Matsuri. Um, I'm going to spend a minute talking about this festival, mostly because it delights me. And I think it's funny uh, and awesome. Um, the Yaku festival is a sweaty, drunken, dangerous night of massive lantern covered floats intentionally crashing into one another in a contest of maneuvering and brute strength. When the sun goes down, the floats are lit up and paraded through the crowded streets of Tonami city. Festival goers enjoy food from a myriad of booths and drummers and flautists perform traditional songs. Finally, after the crews responsible for steering the floats are sufficiently drunk, the action begins. Two at a time, the floats are pushed towards one another as fast as the crews can run. 
On the front are giant wooden poles, similar to battering rams, used to inflict as much damage as possible to the opposing team. The floats come crashing together with a loud bang, sending chunks of debris and crew members flying. After the initial crash, the crews jockey for position by trying to shove the enemy's float back as far as possible. Once one of the teams has been pushed sufficiently far, a winner is declared, and the floats are dragged back to their starting positions to square off once more. They collide three times with the crew, and the crew with the most wins <laughs> with the most wins is declared the victor. At the end of the night, after all the floats have faced each other, a grand champion is declared, and the crews disperse to finish their night of partying. The Yaku Festival is a wild night of sights and sounds and smells with more than a hint of danger in the air. The shouting of the crews with rallying cries and instructions and chants, the aromas of the food vendors and the lights of the floats all come together on the humid steamy night to create an intense atmosphere that is truly uniquely Japanese. Uh, personally, I would love to go to this. This isn't my favorite Matsuri that I know of, um, but I think that this sounds like a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this in particular that appeals to me, but it really does. But I also love that it's floats, right? We have these lantern-covered floats. So again, sort of this, this, you know, gesturing to oceans and ships and maritime activities and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Love it. Okay. Also on this day from our Celtic and Catholic friends and ancestors, we have the feast day of the St. Columba of Iona. I'm not going to go into this saint this year. I've talked about them before in the past. The big thing that I want to mention is that the name Columba means dove. It is Latin for dove. Just tuck that in a note somewhere and we're going to come back to it. Also on this day from our Hindu friends and ancestors, we have Ganga Dushera, and this is a big puja festival celebrating the descent of the Ganges River. But wait, we've just had some river. What? So if you don't remember, we just had our heliacal rising of our fixed star, Rigel, that is the last star in the river constellation, and... Uh, we had the Ludi Piscatori for um, the River Tiber. Um, we will see. We've already seen river stuff. We will see more river stuff coming up. Again, waterways of all types being opened at this time of year in various parts of the world to open up those maritime activities. All right, let's move on to June 10th. June 10th is a Friday, and that brings us to the gibbous moon in Scorpio. It is uh, exactly gibbous at 5 degrees of Scorpio, 10.44 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and this moon is square Pluto. Okay, let's uh, get into this, but first, let's get aligned with our lunar phase. It's gibbous, and so in our metaphor, our plant metaphor that we're always working with, our branch is becoming a vine, and we are starting to pick up momentum. Um, so, you know, in the waxing half, there's this friction, there's this decision. In the waxing half, the moon is square to the sun, 
So that's where that friction is coming in. Now we are coming into, well, it's a semi-square basically, uh, but ultimately opposition to the sun. Um, and so now the moon is sort of feeling itself, right? It's picking up some momentum. It's like, yes, I've made some decisions. I'm going forward with this. Let's make some shit happen. I'm committing to this is a bit of the vibe of the gibbous moon. Um, so when the moon is gibbous in Scorpio, there is this real urge to commit to the deep investigation, the, the inter like turning in inward and looking within and really getting committed to that thing. Uh, the fact that the moon is square to Pluto very much supports that, right? Pluto, of course, being the ruling planet of Scorpio. Um, so square, not the, nicest, not the funnest aspect between moon and Pluto. Uh, what this says is this. Um, it's a great moon for going internal and doing some super deep work. Therapy could be very, very helpful this day. If it could go wonky at all, if it could get weird at all, we might get a little obsessive compulsive. We might get a little like too buried in our stuff, but and this is a moon that really supports going in there and getting like routing around in the stuff and like really getting in there. So, you know, your mileage may vary, right? As I always say, do what's right and safe for you. Keep it healthy. You know where your limits are. Um, and we don't need to be testing them all the time necessarily. Um, but this is a moon that does really support, you know, getting in the crevices of the psyche, <laughs> get out the, the water pick and, you know, <laughs> get some, get some, uh, get in the crevices of your soul is what we're talking about. <laughs> and always, always, always as, as is safe and healthy for you, right? If you've had an exceptionally trying time recently, perhaps, some really funky tragedy has fallen into your life. You don't necessarily need to like go soul searching right now. You might need to, you know, have a pop tart and chill. Right. <laughs> um, but if you're like, yeah, no, I want to wrap myself in a, in a rug and like <laughs> live in the dark for three days. That actually sounds really good. I'll be back. Have at it. This is a great moon to support you in that work. <laughs> For our lunar body work, when the moon is waxing in Scorpio, we are adorning, awakening, activating, stimulating, and preparing for action, the organs and the processes of pleasure, reproduction, and waste management, aka sex and death. Uh, and so always in Beltane season, our moons that are in Taurus and our moons that are in Scorpio can be extra intense because they are very focused on the energies of the season, sex and death. Um, that, but you know, great time for all of that work. <laughs> I was going to start to say some other stuff and I was like, mm, let's just try to keep it PG. <laughs> But I think you know what I was going to say. Uh, for our plant body work, we are planting, transplanting, and grafting annual flowers and fruit and veg that bear crops above ground. Things like watermelon, zucchini, tomatoes, corn, beans, all of your above ground herbs, all of that stuff. So uh, this whole weekend is going to be a really fantastic time for doing planting, 
transplanting, um, uh, really of anything. It doesn't have to be fruit bearing or, or veggie bearing stuff. It could just be your house plants too, where you are wanting to support above ground growth. Okay. We do for a change, have a little tiny bit of astrology for this day. So I'll just mention it briefly because, uh, what it is, is Mercury in Taurus trine Pluto in Capricorn. And so we have this moon in Scorpio, the moon is square Pluto. And then we also have Mercury trining Pluto and this, you know, so right. The Pluto vibes pretty spicy on this day, pretty heavy Pluto intense. Generally speaking, Pluto plus Mercury, especially in a trine, fantastic day for doing investigation, for doing research, for having really deep conversations with yourself, with other people, with a therapist. Wonderful, perfect, awesome, terrific. Um, it is a great day to write about really powerful stuff or speak about powerful things or speak to power. Um, or do research on really powerful subjects or do research on the na nature of power and power exchange and power structures and all of that power dynamics and all of that stuff. Very Plutonian, very mercurial. Of course, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, the larger, longer transits are echoing or ringing a little louder. And so we can't ignore that we are still within the midst of the Pluto return of the United States, which is something that a lot of astrologers have been talking about all year long. I've mentioned it a few times. Um, and so this is a day that, you know, all of this stuff might be happening on a very personal level and just really makes sense to you. But also there may be a lot of power structure, power dynamic, power stuff that echoes America and American issues on this day as well. Um, I would love to see some really spicy information come forward, you know, that just like tips the power <laughs> over into the, yeah, 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 you know me, you know me. <laughs> but again, this is stuff that we might see play out on the world stage. It's something we might see play out on the national stage, or it might be something that plays out just in your personal life. Um, but uh, because the moon is involved, uh, it's a fast transit, that lunar portion of it, but can feel very, very personal and can really affect our emotions in the moment. Um, so just be aware of that. Uh Okay, let's move on to the holy days of June 10th briefly. From June 10th to July 7th, we have the Celtic tree month of oak. So the oak moon falls during a time when the trees are beginning to reach their full blooming stages. The mighty oak is strong, powerful, and typically towering over all of its neighbors. This tree was sacred to the Druids. The Druids called this month Durier, uh, which some scholars believe means door and is the word or root of the word Druid. Uh, the oak is connected with spells for protection, strength, fertility, money, and success and good fortune. 
carry an acorn in your pocket when you go to an interview or a business meeting. It will help you uh, generate good luck and bring prosperity to the environment. And if you catch a falling oak leaf before it hits the ground, you'll stay healthy all the following year. So uh, let us all put our COVID masks on and run outside and stand under Oakger Joe's smoke trees and grab some leaves. Okay. Also on this day from our Hindu friends and ancestors, we have Nirjala Ekadashi. Okay. So the Ekadashis are quote unquote lesser holy moments in the Hindu lunar calendar. And I don't even know if lesser is really appropriate here, but there's two for each moon, one for the waxing half of the moon and one for the waning half. And for the most part, um, I don't mention these because there's so many of them. Um, there's a, there's a few different, uh, Greek, uh, lunar events that happen every single month. And I don't always mention those either, but, uh, I do mention this one near Jala Ekadashi and the next one that comes up. I don't remember the name of it. Sorry. Um, because out of the year, these are the most auspicious for Hindus to observe. Um, this Ekadashi calls for an extreme fast, including fasting from water. And I'm not recommending that you practice this. Uh, you know, I, I'm not telling you what to do, um, but I'm not saying that you need to do this. But why I'm bringing this up, why I think it's in, why I think it's interesting, is that we are about to step into the preamble before the monsoon season, and we have all of these river holidays and ocean holidays and water holidays and water deities and festivals and symbols and rising stars and all this stuff, and here. We have right before the monsoon season and right before, you know, with rising seas and all this stuff, we have this very waterless moment, like very specifically no water. Fasting during Hindu observances, totally normal. Like they do it all the time. Well, I don't want to say they do it all the time, but it's very common for them uh, and plenty of other systems as well. But no water is definitely something that's a little more unusual and just stood out to me. And that's why I wanted to mention it. Uh, all right, let's move on to June 11th. But before that, how about an ad? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you a bajillion billion times. See, the, the sirens are going off even as I say it. Um, thank you so, so much to my patrons. Um, you guys don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Thank you so much. Uh, you can sub for as little as a dollar if you just think this podcast is dope and you want to support it. Uh, I don't run ads on the podcast, um, partly because I don't want to and partly because I won't get paid even if I do. Uh, so screw them, man. Um you can sub, as I said, for as little as a buck or $5, even if you want to just support the podcast. And this is plenty of information. But if you want even more information, um, 
you know, extra podcasts, extra videos, extra information about the Wheel of the Year, magical practices, tarot, etc., etc. Uh, subbing at the higher levels, you get all kinds of cool free stuff. And at the even higher levels, uh, you get free readings every month with me um, to be able to integrate all of this information into your personal life based on what's going on in your natal chart and all of that other good stuff. Join and change your life forever. Or, you know, whatever. Thanks so much for the support. If you can't support financially, I completely understand because life sucks on Earth right now. It's too expensive for everything. Um, tell a friend. Share it on social media. Uh, give it a thumbs up. If you're feeling especially hedonistic, you can leave a rating or a review. Alright, that's the end of the ad. Let's get back to the podcast. Uh, June 11th is a Saturday. You have been warned. Okay. <laughs> uh, our waxing moon is still hanging out in Scorpio, so good luck with that. And <laughs> you perverted. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, let's move directly on to the astrology of this day, which is Venus conjunct Uranus in Taurus at 16 degrees. So we started this week with the moon trine Uranus. And now here we are halfway through the week with Venus conjunct Uranus. Uh, Uranus is a very revolutionary energized planet. Um, it can bring in shocking information. It can bring in radical change. Um, it's connected to the sign of Aquarius and it has uh, as much as it, seems like just an agent of chaos, goddess bless. Uh, it also is uh, about radical change in the sense of um, breaking up calcified systems and breaking up old structures that are no longer serving humanity, no longer serving the, the people. Um, sometimes Uranus can feel like sake, change for the sake of change, and it's just chaos for chaos's sake. But truly underneath its upheaval and its destabilizing effects, it is actually trying to help the situation. It's like, no, this is broken up. And if you want to grow, we got to get this thing out of here, this structure, this boundary, this edge. Remember Uranus comes after Saturn. Um, Saturn was thought of as the, not only just the last planet, but the edge of the universe for a really long time for humans. And then suddenly Uranus shows up. How do you think Saturn felt, right? <laughs> um, suddenly Uranus shows up and is like, no, in fact, there's a whole new world. I'm going to get ripped for copyright. But um, so anytime we have an interaction with Uranus, Uranus can seem like it's just here to cause havoc or it's just here to destabilize. But in fact, it is absolutely here to cause havoc and destabilize but it's a rebel with a cause, generally speaking, mostly. <laughs> okay. So, you know, underneath all of the other stuff that we've talked about this week, there is this Uranian vibration or this electrical current that's kind of running through everything. So with our Venus conjunct Uranus in Taurus, uh, what can I say about this? Get weird with it. That's what I can say about it. Venus plus Uranus is shocking, new, exciting. What? Venus stuff, personal style, aesthetics, art. This could be a fantastic weekend to 
take in new art, new music, new cinema. Um, go see something that you have never seen before. Take in some stuff or make art that you've never made before. This is also a really fantastic time to like put on some of those outfits that you've had just chilling in the closet that you're like, oh, I don't know if I can pull that off. This is the weekend to try to pull it off. Uh, it is... Um, this conjunction is really close to the North Node, uh, also in Taurus, right? The nodes are traveling through Taurus and Scorpio. So there's a little bit of a challenge here to say, like, can we enjoy things without having to own them? Can I be, you know, can I change my style? Can I, can I do something new without having to break the bank? Venus um, can sometimes overspend. Trines, squares, oppositions, conjunctions, happy, sad, whatever. Sometimes Venus's default is to just kind of act like the wallet is bottomless. Um, so with the North Node here, there is that challenge to like, what are you doing with your resources? What are you really doing with them? Like back to that deeper question, right? Of like, where are we putting our money? Are we doing sacred things with our money? Um, are we supporting the people that deserve it? Are we supporting the institutions that deserve it? And this invites us to, to take that to a new radical level. And we can also be super cute about it too, <laughs> which, you know, what <laughs> radical politics and a spiffy outfit. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for our astrology for this day so i'm going to move directly onto the holy days um on uh, june 11th we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star bellatrix uh bellatrix marks the left shoulder of the hunter aka orion um, the modern name bellatrix is latin for female warrior so there's an argument in the astronomy astrology world um as to like does this star actually does this word actually mean this or not but it was also called the amazon star which comes from the arabic name al-najid which means the conqueror and an even older arabic name which means the lion um so was this in reference to female amazon warriors perhaps it was maybe we may never know. Also on this day, uh, I'm sure just coincidentally enough, we have the Roman festival from our Roman friends and ancestors, uh, Matralia, which was dedicated to Mater Matuta. This was an indigenous Latin goddess whom the Romans eventually made equivalent to the dawn goddess Aurora and the Greek goddess Eos. She was also associated with the sea harbors and ports. Hmm, interesting. Uh, the festival was only for single women or women in their first marriage who offered prayers for their nieces and nephews. And what was interesting that I've, as I dug deeper down into this, many tiny votives have been found of Mater Matuta, and she's depicted sitting in a wicker chair cradling a baby. Now that is a scene that we see uh, you know, throughout religious iconography of a mother type figure sitting in a chair, holding a baby. Uh, that's going to come up again <laughs> in just a second. Also on this day from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis of the temple of Fortuna Virilis. 
<laughs> oh Lord. Okay. So Fortuna Virilis is literally the fortune of manly men. <laughs> Can't make it up. <laughs> Fucking Romans. I swear to God. Uh, this festival was held at the forum Boreum. Uh, this was a cattle forum and it was originally a, a temple slash forum that was at the harbors. It was at the port. Um, and so it was just filled with merchants and business at all times. It was a very busy environment. And before that, or even earlier than that, it was a temple originally dedicated to Vesta. So here we have yet another connection to Vesta from the beginning of the week. Um, but uh, a connection to cattle, Taurus, a connection to merchants, Gemini, um, a connection to the harbors and the ports again. So cool stuff. <laughs> I, it's, it's one of those weeks where you're like, did I already read that? It feels like I've already said this. <laughs> I, I did say it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to June 12th. June 12th is a Sunday. Uh, we have our waxing moon entering Sagittarius. And this is officially the full moon pre-funk. All right. It starts now. Uh, what are we doing? I'm not going to even, I'm not going to talk about Sagittarius leading up to this. Just know that it's dope. It's rad. Um, it's perfect. This is the best full moon of the year. I didn't make that rule. Uh, it's just known in magic forever. Um, Sagittarius stuff is pretty much best and greatest always. I think, um, yeah, let me check my notes. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, and also, um, if you want to get a head start on, uh, the Sagittarius full moon work, check out the, uh, Beltane guide, the six week guide. Um, but we will talk about the, uh, Sagittarius full moon next week for the full moon, but this is the pre-funk. So with our waxing moon entering Sagittarius for our lunar body, we are awakening, activating, adorning, stimulating, and preparing for action. Our lower back, our sciatic nerve family, and our thighs. And again, remember, you can always work with the metaphor. So is there something that you need to get off your back? Um, is there something that is getting on your nerves? Is there something that's really testing you in that way? That thing. Okay. For our plant body work, we are harvesting. We are doing pest control, disease control. We are plowing, we're weeding, we're aerating the soil, and we are pruning to incur all of this to encourage above ground growth. We have no astrology for this day again. Uh, but we do have a Letha class on this day. Bam, bam, bam. Um, that's June 12th, Sunday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern, YouTube free live stream. Please come join me in chat. I would love to have you there. Uh, feel free to ask questions. Heckle me if you dare. Uh, I'll see you on the channel. Okay. The other holy days, because that's certainly a holy day, right? I can say that. I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, the other holy days, we have a lot on this particular day. And that uh, is two reasons. One, we have a, a fairly special uh, heliacal star rising on this day, but and also we're in the preamble or the pre-funk to the full moon. So we, you know, as you see in the calendar, um, it really stacks up 
around the the fixed star risings, the full moons, the new moons, and the sun moving into new signs, you can see those holy days actually will stack up. Okay, so on this day, we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Capilla. So this is one of the 15 Bahenian stars. Not going to talk about it, but for folks that practice planetary magic and stellar magic, <clears throat> and I guess really other variety of other types of magic, alchemy, there's a lot of different folks that work with the fixed stars. This is kind of a big deal. But this Bahenian star, this fixed star, marks the goat carried by the charioteer uh, in the charioteer constellation. So yes, we're stepping outside of the zodiac just a little bit here. The charioteer is a being sitting in a chair holding a goat or a kid in their arms or their lap. It is a very similar image to who we just talked about, Mater Matuta, in her wicker chair holding a kid. Um, but it's also very similar to Isis holding Horus, the Virgin Mary holding Jesus, etc., etc. This is an image that we see over and over and over again. So the traditional name Capella is derived from the diminutive of the Latin word Capra, which means female goat or female small goat or little goat. Sometimes uh, this star is called Amalthea in honor of the nurse who reared Jupiter upon the milk of a goat. Capella, the glorious crown, was said to be the horn of the goat that nurtured the infant Jove or Jupiter. The horn was broken off in play by Jupiter and transferred to the heavens as cornucopia or the horn of plenty. Capella was the patron star of Babylon and was known in Assyria as Eku, the leader. Now we have those fixed stars in Orion who is also referred to as the leader or the champion. Um, so we have lots of interesting connections of stuff here. But, and also on this day, we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star fact. Uh, this star is in the body of the dove, AKA the Columba constellation. And if you remember at the beginning of the week, we have a feast day for St. Columba of Iona. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, as we like to say here on the podcast. <laughs> this star, uh, along with uh, Wazen, were the good messengers or the bringers of good news. Very much like the role that the dove plays in that one book. I don't remember what it is, but I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. All right. Also on this day from our U.S. friends and ancestors, we have Loving Day. And this is a day dedicated to um, celebrating and awareness around uh, interracial marriage and the struggles of interracial marriage. Um, yeah, all of that good stuff. Also on this day from our Catholic friends and ancestors, we have Trinity Sunday. Uh, Western Christianity celebrates Trinity Sunday on the first Sunday after Pentecost. The feast celebrates the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, a.k.a. the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. All right. Also on this day from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the festival of Skiraphoria, also known as just Skira. 
So Skidafortion was the month of, or is the month of the final harvest of the grain, and thus another major agricultural festival took place during this month, the three-day-long Skira or Skiraforia. One of the three sacred plowings of the Athenians took place at this time. Um, so first off, uh, note final harvest, right? We're in the moon of uh, uh, Sagittarius, which supports harvesting. So it's pretty dope that that's literally lined up like that. Um, but uh, we are in the month of Skidaforion. Uh, um, and this is the, the festival that's named after the month. So, um, the Skira are also a professed victory ritual, marking Athena's victory over Poseidon. Rivers, oceans, right? Okay. Uh, marking Athena's victory over Poseidon for the city. A necessary observation before the Panathenae <laughs> a month later. So, the AKA the Olympics, that's coming next month. However, since the priest of Helios goes in the procession with the priestess of Athena and other women to the sacred site for the ritual of Skira, the festival has a likely connection to ensure the best weather conditions for harvesting and threshing grain. And we kind of get a sense of that with the penentes being being celebrated as well during this week, which I believe we haven't talked about yet. Oh, oh, spoilers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Lots of sun to dry the grain, right? And no rain, hence the presence of a sun priest. Uh, wet weather comes from Poseidon. So the predominance of sun over rain is a success of Athena over Poseidon. Once the harvest is in and the threshing is complete, the farmer is free to take part in the games. All important rites of Demeter in Attica seem to have been linked at least loosely to uh, the stages of the agricultural year. Moreover, these festivals seem to have a connection with some part of the Homeric hymn, especially since Eleusis, which was incorporated into Attica, was the site of much of the narrative of the hymn. Thus, Skira is part of the sacred festival cycle of grain in ancient Greece, along with a bunch of other holidays that we do talk about throughout the year, like uh, Prorosia, in October, uh, the Thesmophoria, also in October, the Halloway in December, the Lesser Mysteries, uh, the Lesser Eleusinian Mysteries in February, Thargelia in May, and the Eleusinian Mysteries in September. <clears throat> um, yeah, so this is considered to be a part of that thing, but we have connections here with Athena, obviously, uh, connection to Poseidon here, rivers and oceans, and also a connection to uh, Demeter through you know, all of the agricultural holidays being somehow connected to Demeter. Is that going to matter? Yes. You'll hear why in just a second. <laughs> Alrighty. This brings us to the last day of our lunar week, June 13th, which is a Monday. Our waxing moon obviously is still hanging out in Sagittarius, heading up towards that full moon in Sag. That is going to be a a super full strawberry moon, but a super moon. 
Uh, so look for that. Okay. What else do we have on this day? Um, well, for astrology, we just have a little old thing of Mercury entering Gemini. It's home sign. It's fucking thrilled. Um, <laughs> this is a really nice push of energy here at the end of spring. Um, to just bring a little vitality to the mind, to our speech, um, our communications in total. We've just cleared uh, the entirety of the retrograde cycle. Um, so we are free and clear of the, all of that work and it's all, you know, all steam ahead basically. Um, so this is, a, like I said, a really nice push at the end of spring. <clears throat> all I would say about this is don't lean too far into intellectualizing the shit out of things, <laughs> which Mercury in Gemini is super thrilled to talk stuff to death and think about every last little bit to death. Um, but as we move through Gemini and we get closer to the end of the month, Venus is also going to join us in Gemini. And I think it will help uh, mellow that energy out a little bit. Okay. What else is happening on this day? So, we have uh, <clears throat> up in the skies, the heliacal rising of the fixed star El-Nath. Um, and this is the very tip of Taurus's horn. What? Yes, the one of the last stars, maybe the last star of the Taurus constellation. That's the difference between tropical astrology and sidereal astrology. It's crazy. Uh, also on this day, we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Mintaka, and this is, uh, in the belt of Orion. And we also have the fixed star Ensis on this day, which, uh, means the sword or the sheath of the sword of Orion. So a, a star in Taurus and then two stars in Orion. I don't have much else uh, to say about those stars. I'm going to just move on. From June 13th through 26th, from our Yoruba friends and ancestors, we have the Women's Rite of Passage Festival. Uh, this happens every year. And I've read in one source that this is a week-long festival, and I read in another source that it is a month-long festival, and it is held here, I think it was last week, is the Yoruba New Year, and so it's in conjunction with the New Year. Also on this day from our Catholic friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of St. Anthony, uh, patron saint of books, knowledge, and finding lost items, all very mercurial Gemini stuff. <clears throat> from our Celtic and Catholic friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of Epona. Epona was a protector of horses, ponies, donkeys, and mules. Haven't we already talked about horses? Yes, we did, under the goddess Suniva, who is a sun deity and also connected to horses somehow. What is my deal with horses? Castor and Pollux were horse riders. The twins of Gemini were horse riders. And there are many stories of these mercurial twins riding on their horses across the landscape with their big swoopy hats. Uh, their big swoopy hats is something that we also are going to talk about at Letha because um, the shape that they make is a very special shape. Um, but there is some kind of a connection here between the sun and horses and Gemini and all of this stuff. That's really cool. Epona was particularly a goddess of fertility as shown by her attributes of a patera, a cornucopia, 
what? Uh, ears of grain and the presence of foals in some of her sculptures. She and her horses might also have been leaders of the soul in the afterlife ride with parallels in Rhiannon. The worship of Epona, the sole Celtic divinity ultimately worshipped in Rome itself as the patroness of cavalry. So, you know, Rome's always got to get the military involved. An archaic Demeter Aranese, a.k.a. Vengeful Demeter, wait, we just talked about Demeter, also had been a great mare or a great horse who was mounted by Poseidon in the form of a stallion. Um, and so uh, it just, you know, loops on loops, right? Spirals on spirals. Like, wow, wait a minute. So we've got horses, we've got fertility festivals, we've got the sun, we've got grain, we've got our agricultural stuff, harvests coming to fruition. Amazing. Really cool. From our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Lesser Quinquatrus. Uh, so this is a festival that is sacred to Minerva, the mind. Um, and it seems that women were accustomed to consult fortune tellers and diviners on this day. So I don't know if you know any tarot readers, but June 13th might be a good day to get a reading. Maybe June 12th, June 14th. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know anybody. Um uh, on which the, okay, but on this day, uh, this, the lesser quinquatrus, um, the big one is held in March. This is a little one. And this, on this day, uh, there was a procession through the city to the temple of Minerva with the Tibicenes. And the Tibicenes were um, wind instrument players. So flutes. And I don't remember, know if you remember the Shinto festival that we talked about at the beginning of the week flute playing absolutely a big deal but hello gemini season wind instruments hello <laughs> again maybe i'm stretching but i don't think so <laughs> i'm reaching i'm grabbing okay uh what else do we have from our roman friends and ancestors on this day just the ferrier of jove aka jupiter who we just talked about uh this is an ancient roman festival during which the gods were uh jupiter excuse me specifically was honored um, and all business, uh, including law, was suspended for the days of the Ferrier. So this was absolutely a day that was like, no, you need to go party on behalf of Jupiter. What the hell? And last but not least on this day from our friends in Ireland, our friends and ancestors, we have Holy Wells Day. There are around 3,000 Holy Wells in Ireland. Uh, since early times... These have been seen as places of prayer and healing. Um, and uh, so this is a fantastic day to go to a local water source where you are um, and meditate on how precious water is, do some cleanup, get involved in um, protection of water, uh, you know, water rights, all of that good stuff. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, you know, any of the water issues in America, but there's a few. <laughs> this could be a day that encourages some work like that. And we already know that this is a week that encourages political action. Um, so, you know, this might be a great time to write an email to a congressperson or make a phone call to somebody and say, hey, what's happening in Flint, Michigan? Or maybe something much closer to your home uh, 
that there's some water issues, waterways that need protection, or people that don't have access to clean water, um, or water sources near you that are being jeopardized by, you know, I don't know, just off the top of my head, big oil, uh, <laughs> and other groups that have zero environmental concerns, you know, just that stuff. Beautiful day for that. Very, very sacred. And of course, obviously still in deep alignment with all of this watery uh, imagery that we have as we are getting ready to head into summer. All right. That is our lunar week. Let's hit the wrap up. All right. For this week, for our lunar phases, we are moving from Virgo to Sagittarius. So we are still moving through our mutable signs here at the end of Beltane season and the end of spring. And our mutable signs are here to help us uh, continue to change shape and morph into our summer forms. Uh, for the Astro Roundup for this week, it is pretty slim, y'all. <laughs> uh, Tuesday the 7th, we have the moon in Virgo. Wednesday the 8th, we have the moon entering Libra. On Friday the 10th, we have uh, our gibbous moon in Scorpio at 5 degrees. We also have Mercury in Taurus, Trine, Pluto, Retrograde, and Capricorn at 28 degrees. On Saturday the 11th, we have Venus and Taurus conjunct Uranus at 16 degrees. On the 12th, the moon moves into Sagittarius. And on the 13th, Mercury enters Gemini. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, next week, we have a big old fat full moon. Um, we have some heady astrology next week. It is feast or famine with the astrology. We have nothing. We have everything like all heaped up all up in the same situation. Next week is kind of a mess. So let me say this also from an energetic standpoint, if there's anything that you can get done this week and not have to deal with it next week, I encourage you to do so. Um, and next week, uh, you know, take on what you can take on and don't just leave everything else. <laughs> it is a really, uh, it's a really spicy time. It's, it's definitely spicy and, um, it's, it's going to be a time that's going to test and call on your self-care routines, um, your coping skills, your, um, your capacity to, what do we always say here on the podcast? your capacity to put yourself in timeout, your capacity to say, mm, I'm checking out of this. I'm going to go walk around the block for five minutes. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to go have a snack. I'm going to go poop and think about this. I'll be back in 15 minutes. Can I get back to you tomorrow? Um, this really, really, really might be a week that we need to be as present with ourselves as possible. We need, we may need to really slow ourselves down a little bit and breathe and think about what's happening. Um, does that sound like a week where we might be getting really super triggered? Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah, it might be that. It might be that kind of a week. Um, yeah, kind of funky, kind of funky next week. So if there's a way for you to take yourself out of the action next week, it might be the move. That might be the move. Um, if there's anything that you can get done this week to make next week chill, smooth, uneventful, that might be the move. You get me? 
allow the Virgo moon this week to put you in industrious mode and get your homework done, get the laundry done, get the grocery shopping done, make that phone call, send the email, send the text, you know, get it done. And then whatever rolls out next week, you have that much more time, energy, space, supplies already gathered to deal with whatever might fall out. And you know, with the astrology, sometimes it's just stuff that we see go down in the world and it's like, whoa, that was heavy. And that's it. And sometimes it's stuff that goes down in our lap. <laughs> and we're like, okay, wow, that was like in my face. And I have to deal with this right now. So whatever you can do to just make it a little bit easier on yourself next week, let's try to get it done this week. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Uh, other than that, I'm sure it'll be absolutely lovely. Um, <laughs> and with that, uh, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you to all my patrons. You can leave a review on your podcast service wherever you listen to this. And if you're feeling especially hedonistic, you can give it five stars. Uh, thanks so much. Um, I know I say it a lot, or maybe I don't say it enough. I don't know. I feel like I don't say it enough, but I, I truly, truly appreciate doing this work. And, um, this podcast has absolutely been therapy for me for the last year and a half. It's been, uh, you know, like all y'all, it's been a fucking wild ass time. Um, and it's a very grounding practice for me to come and do this ritual every week. It took me a while to accept that this is a weekly ritual that I'm doing. And I've come into acceptance around the fact that this is obviously a weekly ritual. So thank you for joining me for this weekly ritual. Um, I feel you. I know I'm sitting in this room alone <laughs> recording this podcast, but I don't feel alone when I do it. Um, so I really appreciate that. And uh, I hope that you can feel each other in this community that's happening. Um, despite my best efforts, <laughs> it's really, really cool. Um, if you want to become more involved in the community, join my YouTube channel, join my podcast, uh, or excuse me, join my, my Patreon. Um, cause we're getting together and we're doing weird shit and, uh, it's getting weirder by the day <laughs> and, and I'm not going to stop. <laughs> oh, blessed be heathens drink deep of the glass of water. <laughs> Stay hydrated because it's fucking wild out there. All right, my friends, uh, blessed be.